Sacramento. Hello and welcome to the 916 Republic podcast brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm your host, Nolan, and for today's episode, Zach, Scott, and I sat down with former Republic midfielder Ivan Merkovich. We talked with Ivan about his time in Sacramento, as well as his experience playing for several other teams from around the USL Championship. Uh, I personally found this interview to be super informative. Uh, not only did it did Ivan shed some light on the early days of the Republic in that championship team of 2014, um, but he also talked with us about just generally what it's like to play as a defensive midfielder, uh, the tactical and physical demands of playing that position, um, and some of his his most fond memories uh, as a player. Um, I thought this was a really cool interview, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, and before you enjoy that, how about you go enjoy our social media game? So you can follow us at 916Republic on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and patreon.com backslash 916Republic. Don't forget to like and subscribe to shows on all of our platforms, especially whatever you're listening to on right now, whether it's Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, or whatever it may be. That really helps us in the search results. Thank you for listening to the show. All right, and so today we are joined by former Sacramento Republic midfielder Ivan Mirkovich. Uh, Ivan played for the Sacramento Republic from 2014 to 2015. Uh, he started in the 2014 playoff game that came to be known as the Miracle at Bonnie. Um, and has also spent time at USL clubs uh, around uh, the country. He played it for the Orange County Blues, St. Louis FC, and FC Tulsa. Well, Tulsa, Tulsa Roughnecks uh, at the time. Uh, so, Ivan, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. We're super excited um, to get to talk with you. And how, how are you doing right now? Doing well, doing well. Uh, thank you guys for having me on the show. And I'm no, excited no. to share my story with you and your guys' uh, followers as well. Totally, yeah. No, we're, we're excited. So um, first, we just want to get a little bit of background um, as to your time playing the game. So uh, we know you played for Fresno Pacific University for two years, and you played for the Ventura County Fusion uh, after that. Um, yeah, so give us a, some, a back, some background about your time before uh, you came to Sacramento. Yeah, so before before I got to Sacramento, uh, obviously I, I came to to the United States to play college and uh, just with the dream to get my degree and keep playing soccer. So my first first place uh, where I played in the, in the States was in actually Oxnard, uh, which is a scene nearby Ventura. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a junior college. I came there in 2010, uh, played there for three semesters. And then in 2012, in January, I transferred to Fresno Pacific, where I finish uh, rest of my two years of eligibility, and then in 2014 I signed with Soccer Public. Uh, so I was roughly two. I played two years of my eligibility in Oxford College, which was uh, junior college, and then two years at uh, Division Two school in Fresno, and then during. During that time, while I was in Oxnard and then in Fresno, I got three years of uh, three seasons with Ventura Fusion as well. Ventura County Fusion. 
Yeah. And were the Fusion in the PDL at the time? Yes, yes. We okay. all, uh, all three seasons we were part of PDL back then, uh, 2011, 12, and 13. Okay, cool. And uh, before that, where, like, where did you develop as a youth player? Um, so I grew, grew, up in Serbia, grew up in Serbia and played in a couple, couple uh, academies back in Serbia. And then uh, after, after my academy time, I moved to a third division club in Serbia where I played a couple, couple years before I decided to come and uh, continue my education in the United States and continue my uh, playing career as well. So, you know, luckily I was able to keep my eligibility since uh, all clubs that I played for in Serbia were all amateurs. So I didn't lose, luckily I didn't lose my eligibility and I was able to come here on a student visa and then later on move to with a soccer scholarship and continue my playing career. Mm, wow. That's awesome. So yeah, you spent your youth development time in, in Serbia, came to the U.S., played uh, in college, and then played in the PDL for Ventura County Fusion. And so uh, that led to you coming to Sacramento, but kind of, can you fill in the details of how you ended up, you know, signing with the club and, and playing for them for two years? Yeah, so obviously during my time with uh, Ventura County Fusion, uh, Graham Smith was the technical director there. And obviously that was a connection or a person who recommended me to, to come to, uh, not uh, Sacramento, but he recommended me to sign up for a USL or Ventura Fusion USL Combine in 2004. I think it was 14 January early January where Preki uh, came down and he saw me play in one of those uh, games and after actually after our first game he he invited to stands we had a brief talk and he said I, I like where I saw and uh, would you be interested in coming down for uh, for a preseason in February I was like yeah yeah I was I was definitely interested doing that and i came to sacramento for two weeks uh for a tryout after that again preki like what he saw and he they offered me a contract but i think graham graham was obviously the one who recommended me and uh to preki but mm -hmm. in the end preki was the one who made the final decision sorry Grant, so what's like I, i'm unfamiliar with the connection between the technical director at the fusion with Sacramento. Did he come to the club later? Oh, yeah. So Graham, uh, I don't know how much you you guys are familiar with that, but Graham Smith was the general manager of Sac Republic in 2014, 15, okay. 16. I think all the way up to 2017 when he retired. So okay. before that, he was a technical director with Ventura County Fusion. Okay, so that makes yeah. sense. And obviously, when uh, Sac Republic started in 2013, uh, he he was announced as the first uh, club general manager, <clears throat> and obviously he was able to bring Preki on, and then uh, rest of the rest of the players as well. And that's okay. that's why if you look in a through a 2014 and 15 roster, there were a lot of uh, Ventura Fusion 
when Turkan infusion players on the roster, uh, right. Graham was really familiar with all of us, having us there for a couple couple seasons or more, and he was able to recommend us to Preki, and then Preki obviously had to make a decision who he wanted to on the squad and not. Thing. So, and Rodrigo Lopez is another former Ventura County Fusion player. But did you guys just did you guys ever play with each other in Ventura? Yeah, or yeah, we 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 played we played together in 2015. Sorry, sorry, 2012, 2012, okay. and we played a couple of exhibition games uh, together as well. So we were actually really familiar with each other. Uh, not just Rodrigo Lopez, but if you look for the final game, uh, ESL Championship game 2014, uh, he was another fusion, uh, went to a fusion player, Mickey yeah. Daly, uh, obviously me and Roro, and I think there were a couple more on the on the bench. I think Harrison Delgridge, wow. another one, uh, Jake Avisian, it's another one. Uh, I cannot remember on top of my head, but there were yeah. probably a couple, couple, couple more. So I think I think a lot of us coming from Ventura Fusion was a really positive thing for us in 2014 because as a new group, we were kind of familiar with each other uh, to a certain extent, and that definitely helped to uh, to help with the start of the season uh, being as decent as it was. Not great, yeah. not as poor as some some teams, uh, new teams in the league can have. So definitely that connection and our time together before was really really important for that first uh, that first year, uh, first year. Yeah, totally. I, I never made that connection between all all of you guys having played with each other before and then coming to Sacramento in that first season. Um, and in that first season, as you know, I'm sure uh, there was that famous semifinal game against the LA Galaxy 2, uh, known as the Miracle at Bonnie. Um, we talked with Chris Meneleb uh, a few weeks ago about uh, his perspective on the game. We've talked with uh, several reporters who were covering the game that night about it. Um, but I think it'd be really interesting just to hear um, from you, who are who was you were, play, were playing on the field the full 90 minutes. Um, what was going through your head in that game? What are some some moments that stick out um, and what do you think was led to you guys being able to come back from two nil down and win that, that, that game? Uh, I'm just wondering what, what, uh, what type of comment Chris made about him. I have to go back and listen. What oh said. yeah, no, we haven't, we haven't published the episode yet. He just said that uh, it was a pretty surreal, it was just a surreal moment. And he, he said it, it felt like, uh, um, like it felt like destiny, like when the rain started coming down. Yeah. And he said that Preki's team talk was uh, like it was because he's a video analysis guy, obviously. And uh, he said that it was so much like Preki showed how good he is of a man manager because he said it, none of it was tactics. Yeah, it, it was all it was all heart, like talking about like, do you want this? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, he 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 said how how he was. So it was a. You know, watching that game probably ten times so far. Uh, <laughs> up, you know, I realized, in my opinion, and people can agree with that or not, but in my opinion, 
we were never we weren't watching the game i i thought that we were better team through a whole 90 minutes mm-hmm. you know a part of us being down 2-0 on the half time i if you watch uh, first 15 20 minutes of the first half we definitely dominated uh, that uh, that time and we created a couple chances we should get a clear penalty kick in uh I think it was first fifth uh, fifth minute, first five mm-hmm. minutes. When Ma- uh, Max Alvarez came from the right side, and he was obviously foul. Uh, we didn't, and then you know things got a little messy with first goal, and then us giving up a pretty silly goal uh, towards the end of the uh, first half. But to be honest, in my opinion, we never, we were never. Uh, what's the right word to say? I felt that we were better team no matter what, and it was just it was just a matter of time when we're going to score one, and then obviously that led to another two, but it was just a matter of time when. And to to be fair to El Galaxy, they they made it really difficult for us, uh, and we were also pretty lucky not to lose the game. If you watch the video, we scored we scored a first goal, and then. They had a free kick. They hit the. They had a. They hit the post. Yeah. The crossbar. Yeah. Yeah. They hit the post, and then we scored second goal, and they had another free kick, or it was one-on-one chance where Jake Gleason made a good save. But mm. you know, we I felt on the field that we were in, in the control of the game the whole, the whole nine minutes. You know, it, it's great that the way we scored it just. The way we create a history and we create a, such a uh, more historical moment for the club, the way we won the game. But I, I would not agree with people who are saying that uh, we were just lucky. I think we earn we earn all three goals and we earned that uh, victory that day. Uh, a little a, a little about the. Uh, practice talk in the locker room actually uh and i i said that, that uh, for before to one of the newspapers uh, guys as well that uh on the halftime Preki was harsh on, on us but he was especially harsh on roro i think mm-hmm. roro had uh, probably the worst 15 minutes of the halftime ever and <laughs> what he did and Preki actually asked him uh, do you want to be a man of this team or not? And he respond the best way possible in the in the second half. Uh, yeah. I think Preki wanted to provoke him to to be better in the second half, and that's what he did. And like Chris said, that he just shows just shows how good a manager he is and how how good he knew the group and how well he knew how to get the best out of us, especially from uh, Roro. But in terms of like what he said to you or like how you felt you played in that first half, um, what was that like? What Did, did Preki have some words for you at, at halftime too or was it more generally directed at the team and then Roro uh, in those 15 minutes? Preki, Preki was never, never happy the way I played. So <laughs> he always... He always uh, he was never satisfied 
the way yeah. I put, he always thought I can do better or there was always something and to be honest I kind of like that because yeah. he was pushing me to my to my limits and I felt that I always wanted to prove him that hey I can do better I can do better and I, I cannot to be honest I cannot remember exactly what he said to me that day uh, at the locker room but if you if you guys go uh, that I don't know if a lot of people know this but uh, to kind of give you a little more inside of story for that uh, second half so now once Eli Garcia scored the second goal obviously uh, Mickey Daly he's not gonna get upset on me but <laughs> he he fell asleep and um, <laughs> Daly and I actually got into it really really hard you can see actually on the video where him and I once the referee blew the whistle for the first half him and I were going after each other and we were <laughs> we were in each other's faces and you can see a little of that on, on, on the video. And then he kind of carried on in the locker room as well. And we were, we said a couple words to each other. But then you go back to the second half. Mickey Daly had the best second half of his career, I would say. Mm. And he was, he was carrying us, carrying us through that second half. Yes, Roro was the, the man who scored three goals and, took the whole glory but in my opinion Nicky Daly was the crucial crucial guy uh in the back who carried the whole whole team forward uh and you know it's it was a it was a tough conversation between two of us in the locker room but I think uh I think that that was that was a proof how much we wanted to get better how much we knew that yeah, we can we can get back uh, we can get back to the game and we can we can do better we, we we knew we deserve more just talking about that conversation you had with Mickey Daly is that something that happens a lot in locker rooms or do you do you have to just really know the person that you're talking to how often do do hard conversations like that uh, during half times uh, happen between players uh, well oh I think it happens pretty pretty often. Uh, it happens in teams that want to win, and between the players that really want to win, and they're competitive, and uh, you know things get heated. But you know it happens in the locker room. Whatever happens there stays there. Obviously, uh, it hasn't happened to me uh, that things ever carried down on the field because that that would be a big problem especially with that group in 2014-15 we had we had a couple heated here moments uh, like that but that never never carried on the field so to give you a little more uh, another interesting story uh we were in oklahoma and we play oklahoma energy that 2014 and uh it was 38th minute, 35th minute, something like that. And I got sent off in that game. And then <laughs> uh, we're going back to the locker room and people, players were hard on me. And I deserve all that because I let my emotions take over and I made a mistake. And I had to, I had to take all that, 
all that words and I understood that I made a huge mistake. I let the team down, uh, I let them down. Uh, so it was it was the right thing to do. And sometimes you have to be honest to each other and you have to say what you think because that's the only way that team can progress and get better. If you're just holding and you're shy and you don't want to say what you think, you know, it's not it's not right the right way to, to go. And that 2014, I think we had a really good uh, open group to be able to communicate, to be able to tell each other what we think, how we feel, and that uh, made us better. I just have a, a quick question about uh, about what was going through your head when you drew the penalty in the miracle at Bonnie? Like, like what was your what were you thinking when you dribbled into the box? Uh, were, were you trying to like get a cross in, pass to someone like a late runner? Like, what what made you take that step forward? Because you play a little bit more of a defensive midfield role. Um, yeah, what uh, what led to like being in the in the the penalty area? Uh, well, I don't know sometimes on the field you you do things. Uh, using your instinct and you don't think much when you do certain things and I think one that was one of the moments where I didn't think much I just saw the ball uh, up in the air and something said inside me hey, you can get the ball so once I started running I made a first touch I remember and after I made the first touch right away I saw the guy coming pretty, pretty hard on me so I was like this is the moment I'm going to put my body between the ball and the defender and just wait for the contact. And to be honest, maybe it's not the most uh, fair thing to do, but at that moment, I felt it was the right thing to do. And that's what I did. I kind of slowed down for a second. I was waiting for a contact. And when the guy uh, made the contact, right away, I knew I knew it was a, it's going to be a PK and uh, in those situations, you just as a player you feel those situations and you know when when is the right moment to hold for a second and that's what I did. Uh, and then, to be honest, there wasn't much much thinking going on in my head. There wasn't certain situation that just oh yeah that's what I'm gonna do because of that. No, it just happened inside me something. Some some feeling was there that I can get to the ball and rest of it was just a was a action of different uh, things going on around. Ivan, I would love to kind of pivot a little bit and uh, just talk about your you know your own personal uh, kind of career, um, your own personal professional career. So like according to Transfer Market, your only professional goal came against the Colorado Switchbacks in 2015. Um, you scored an added time to draw three three after Sacramento had gone down three to one. Does that goal kind of stick out to you as a as a highlight? Um, just kind of wanted to know your you know your feelings, your opinion on it. Yeah, the, that's actually the only goal I scored in my professional career as a, as a defensive midfielder. I yeah. wasn't really uh, really offensive oriented. Uh, I scored a couple goals during my coach career, and uh, obviously that was the only goal that I scored in my professional career. Maybe it's something I I wish I had done more, uh, but 
this work is uh, yes, I don't yeah it's my first professional goal and I'm always gonna remember that that moment but I I also see that as something that it just came out of uh, I would say a lot of luck because it was the last moment of the game uh, I got the ball in the middle of the field I I tried to cross it back inside the box where we had a couple guys waiting and just the ball bounced in front of the goalkeeper and went in. So did I really try to score from 40 yards out? <laughs> it, it just it happened that way, but I'm also you know happy that it happened. He brought us a point that uh, that day, but also it was my first professional professional first and only professional goal. Yeah, yeah. So, Something I I wanted to ask you is. You know, it's easy to evaluate a striker or tell if a striker is good because they score a lot of goals. Um, but it's not always obvious when a defensive midfielder is um, really having a great game or is really, really good at their job. So what are some things uh, that you would advise us to look out for in like watching a defensive midfielder? And um, which of those things do you think that we're... Do you think we're a part of your game, and which things uh, do you were you always working on and developing um, in your professional career? Uh, well, going going of uh, my like let's say I would say my uh, attitudes and something that I, I was able to bring to uh, different teams I play for was definitely ability to organize teams and uh, you know uh, organize teams defensively, uh, ability to win the balls and uh, win challenges. But also, uh, in my opinion, I thought I was I was a decent uh, passer. Uh, I was able to break, uh, break the lines. Definitely, Preki would not agree with that. <laughs> I, I think that was, that was also something I was able to bring to uh, teams I play for. You know, looking to a modern uh, defensive midfielders, they have to be able to uh, technically play on a higher speed uh, and also cover a lot of ground and be able to position themselves uh, well on the field. Uh, and I think uh, they're, you know, Looking looking back on my my time, I, I think I was able to do well, uh, do all those things well for the USL uh, USL level. Uh, just positioning, ability to communicate, organizing, uh, organize uh, teams, and ability to pass the ball well. Did, did you kind of see yourself as a? Because you you captained the team at Fresno Pacific your your senior year, right? Yes, yes. So did that did that like personality of like being a captain even though you weren't always wearing the armband kind of transfer to your time in Sacramento and, and other professional um and your time at other professional clubs? Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely I think uh that was one of the one of the things I think I believe I was able to bring to the team, you know, uh just going going back to my my first place where I arrived in Oxnard, I wasn't able to I was barely speaking any English in my year and a half uh, that I spent there and mm-hmm. second year I was I was named as a team captain 
then going back to Fresno Pacific, similar thing, second year I was named as a team captain through that 2014, 15, and actually 16. A lot of people don't remember that I was part of 2000, exactly probably 2016 roster. Hmm. Uh, I you know, I was named as a team captain that 2016. I had couple couple games where I was the captain of the uh, team in 2015 as well. And then going mm-hmm. back uh, to Orange County, was captain there, St. Louis. So I think being a leader and somebody who probably didn't speak English the best on the team, I was still able to communicate well with people on on the field of the field uh, you know as well i think i try, i try to to push people around me to be better to do right things for for a team and that was one of the qualities that uh, coaches recognized me and that's uh, i guess that's why i was given the responsibility to to be captain different different uh, places yeah. And you mentioned you were part of the, the squad in 2016 in Sacramento, and then you moved to Orange County. Um, what led to that move? Uh, was it, you know, personal, professional? Yeah. What what, uh, I, what led to that yeah. result? Yeah. Well, I went to whole preseason with uh, Sacramento Valley in 2016, and I was part of the team in the uh, first game in Seattle, actually. Uh, I was on the bench, didn't didn't participate in that game, but I was I was with the team, and then uh, you know things happened pretty pretty quick. I think Sunday we were in Seattle, and on Thursday I was already in Orange County, uh, playing with Orange County, and started the game on Saturday. Uh, I think it was mix of both. Uh, I think it was professional and personal as well. Uh, I think it was a right right move for me to personally to move uh, to Orange County uh, you know I don't think things look really positive for me in Sacramento in that 2016 uh, but you know that's 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 soccer you know that's how things work and uh, probably one of the better decisions I made uh, in my career was to to take a chance and Go to Orange County. Uh, yes. It was good for me, uh, professional as well. You know, after probably a week of being down there, eight days actually, I arrived in Orange County on Thursday, and we played the game on Saturday, which I started, and then we played another game on Friday, on Friday against Galaxy Two, and I was named the captain. So then how did that work? Because you were under contract with Sacramento, correct? So did they just let you go for free? No, no. Uh, I think Orange County uh, paid a certain, certain fee, transfer fee for me. Okay. You know, it, wasn't, it wasn't much, and I don't think they, they announced how much. So I think there was some transfer fee involved. Uh, well, there was a transfer fee involved in all that. To, I, I wasn't, I don't know the numbers and all that. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't involved in all that. But it happened pretty quick, actually. You know, in a couple of days, everything was sorted out. And I was on my way to Orange County on Thursday, Thursday morning. And so then I, I've always wondered as a player, how does that feel to know that a club paid a transfer fee for you? I mean, does that, does that validate 
you know, um, maybe, you know, all the hard work you've put in or um, does it, you know, help start things off well at the new club that you're at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, obviously, it feels good. Uh, it showed that how much Orange County won me on their, on their team. And, uh, you know, they wanted to make things really quick. And uh, I, when when I saw how much they won me, it kind of made my uh, my decision to leave Sacramento. Uh, made my decision a little quicker, I would say. You know, sometimes things can uh, in soccer can lag for a couple of weeks, but they they show the interest right away, and I was like, all right, these these people really want me, so I took I took my chance, and also you know, uh, I also appreciate that uh, soccer public management didn't didn't make things hard. You know, they they want me to be happy, and they want me to do things the best. For me, my family, and my my future, and I appreciate them working with, with me, my agent, uh, through all that process. Dang! So, you know, you spent time in Orange County, like you said. You went to St. Louis. Uh, you played in Tulsa. Um, how does your time at each of those clubs compare to your time in Sacramento? Uh, well, uh, look, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know how how big a club Sacramento is yeah. until, until I left the club. Obviously, uh, yeah. you know, from organizational standpoint, probably the best club in 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 USL. Uh, and uh, from a fan uh, standpoint, definitely the best club in in the USL. Uh, City wise, everything that the clubs offers offer it just on a top top USL level, you know. And going going down to Orange County and then St. Louis and Tulsa, I realized that uh, I had a good two years here in Sacramento. And uh, yeah. going going around the league, I realized how well things are done here in Sacramento. Uh, you know, from my my personal experience, uh, Orange County probably was right place to go. Uh, just we had a we had a successful year, uh, made the playoffs, and I enjoyed my time there. Uh, but then, you know, from the then after that, going to St. Louis. To be honest, if Preki didn't go to St. Louis, uh, I would never go there. And not just not. Just, not that no, because of the club, I, I just don't think St. Louis was the right fit for me. Uh, yeah. But because Preki took the job, I think it was my uh, I felt obligated to to be there with him, and I wanted to be with him. Obviously, uh, in your our relationship, you know, obviously things didn't turn out well there, but uh, it, you know. That soccer, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you you learn and you try to get better. And then going back to Tulsa definitely was the probably the worst the worst thing I was I was able to do for for myself. Uh, looking from yeah. the uh, result wise, I think we had a horrible season, and it was it was a it was a really painful to be there that year. 
but yeah. you know Tulsa as a city was really great for me and I enjoyed my time in Tulsa off the field but on the field was was really really not not good to be part of it so so then could you maybe describe some of the things that are different between uh, Sacramento Republic in the USL and some other clubs you don't have to name the clubs but yeah. um, you know what are what are some of the things that are different? Like I know that there are some clubs that offer housing or some clubs that offer more, uh, you know, post-match meals or some clubs have better training facilities. Like what is Sacramento doing well that some other clubs are maybe struggling in or just haven't gotten there yet? Uh, just to kind of give you a little more insight about what Sacramento does well, they, they treat players like they're MLS players. You come to train, and there is always um, a table with some snacks, uh, fruit, something that you can you can grab uh, before training. Then obviously uh, CRC provides a good quality surface to to train, and at CRC you get anything that professional soccer needs when it comes to training. Uh, but then obviously after training comes uh, really well uh, prepared meal that uh, the club provides after every training and then obviously there is that uh, service that results provide where you can go get a massage you can get a different treatment there uh, as well and then uh, you know obviously housing i think all yourself clubs offer their housing i think sacramento does it on a in my opinion high level where players are really housed in a safe, uh, luxury apartments. Well, it used to be like that. I don't know right now. But when we were there, we were really treated well. We lived in a good area with a well-furnished uh, apartments, and uh, you know everything was everything was done into details. Uh, I will give you just example how how much Sacramento was treating as well that. Uh, when a new player comes in, uh, there was a person, Sharon, uh, who was able to organize their whole apartment, even have bed covers, pillow uh, covers, like everything was planned into details. It happened to me, for example, where I went to one of the places uh, and I arrived first day, uh, it was like a 1, 1 p.m., uh, no, 1 a.m., I go to my uh, apartment and I arrived into the apartment. There was no blanket, there was no pillow, nothing. And I'm like, well, I just arrived. Uh, I brought my own suitcase and they were like, oh, we're sorry, but this is it. So so next day I had to go buy all those things, which is fine. But I'm just giving you a, a little comparison where, where uh, Sacramento stands compared to others in the league and i think that that means a lot you know your players don't make uh a lot of money so you know providing those little details it's huge and that's why i think all players who have played in sacramento they they love they love it here you know the city provides a lot of entertainment of the field the uh the lifestyle in sacramento it's really uh, top class and club on our side makes players feel welcome you know that 
interaction with the fans is also a really top class with, for example, again, another example where fans of such public are always behind their coach, their players, their management. You know, there is never, not that I know that there was ever a moment where, you know, players turn around against coach or against players, even, even when there were, you know, bad results and things were not going the way that fans maybe wanted. But they, they stick around and, you know, you go around Sacramento, people recognize you, which makes totally, you know, play, makes playing much more enjoyable. Going to some other places where you just go around the city, nobody knows about uh, the club you're playing for, nobody knows about you. And I don't think, uh, you know, that's uh, to don't. <laughs> Don't be too hard on the other clubs. They're also trying their best, but again, they're they're not doing things like Sacramento Republic does. Let's put it that Yeah, way. yeah. Okay, we have about uh, two minutes left. So in 60 seconds, can you give us your best Justin Braun story? We heard he played with a broken foot. <laughs> he did. Yeah, I'm going to give that. That's a great, great thing. He actually broke uh, a broken toe, I think it was. Uh, he all playoff. I uh, I believe he didn't start the semifinal game because of that, and he came off the bench and he did phenomenal job. So great leader, great captain, uh, and I like his uh, ponytail that he, he had. <laughs> that was a uh, lot of funny times and love to be that ponytail. A fan but of the ponytail. Great, great person, great guy on the field, off the field. I think he he was the great captain and somebody that I learned a lot from on the field and off the field as well. Awesome. Well, Ivan, uh, what have you been doing since uh, your retirement? So I finished my uh, 2018 season in Tulsa and then I got offered to be a player coach in Fresno in 2019. So last year I was was in Fresno uh, doing a player coach role and Obviously, I didn't I didn't get much uh, playing time on the field, but I was uh, I was able to transition from playing to coaching, and uh, I started uh, as a assistant coach and video analysis uh, person, and I enjoyed my time there. I spent last year there, and actually, right now uh, in January, I moved to Sacramento. Uh, I'm coaching. I'm coaching uh, at the San Juan Youth Soccer Club. Uh, I'm assistant coach at uh, Sacramento State, and I'm actually helping out the uh, Sacramento uh, Academy as well as uh, Academy Scout. Thanks. So, so I'm fully now transitioning to coaching, and I enjoy my my time. Uh, you know, without soccer, to be honest. And uh, it was it was the right time for me to, to move on into coaching. And since since I made that tra- transition, it has been pretty good. We had a, obviously good season in in Fresno last year, and hopefully we can I can continue developing myself as a coach and try to help such Republic to bring uh, talented uh, youth players uh, to their programs, but also develop uh, more such uh, Sacramento uh, soccer players with San Juan as well. Awesome. Well, Ivan, thanks for coming on the show. 
We'll be talking to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you guys for having me. Hey guys, this is Scott. Um, if you don't know, the team is doing a lot of incredible things during this pandemic. One of the things they are doing is selling scarves and sending all the proceeds uh, to Rayleigh's. So by purchasing a scarf, supporters will be fundraising the Rayleigh's Ready to Eat Meals bag to deliver to a senior in the capital region. 100% of the net proceeds will be used to immediately support the 42,000 food insecure seniors in the region. The scarf is now available at the club's online team store, shop.sacrepublicfc.com. The link will be in the description. In addition to the scarf proceeds, Republic FC will also direct 15% of all online sales through April to Rayleigh's Food and Families in order to purchase more bags to be delivered. So go buy a scarf. We at the 916 Republic have bought a scarf. We are doing our part to help out. We encourage you to do your part and you'll have not only a cool scarf, but a cool memory that you helped someone in need through supporting your uh, favorite football club. So we encourage you to do that as we have done so. Thank you so much for helping out. Thank you for all that you guys are doing, both at the team and as a fan base. Can't wait to see you guys soon. Take care.